Hey, Dennis. Yo, what? Where do you go for legal advice? I go to www.bettercallsaul.com. Where don't you go for legal advice? www.hwepodcast.com. You're not getting legal advice here. Not from us. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. This is Dennis. Smooth Dennis. Smooth Dennis. And smooth. I've Mark. been drinking. No. <laughs> I've been uh, drinking whiskey and smoking menthol cigarettes to be this smooth. Otherwise known as Lacroix in my office. Yeah, and I don't actually smoke anything, but tangerine Lacroix, which says zero calories, zero sweetener, zero sodium equals zero innocent. Guilt. Oh, innocent, not zero guilt. It's innocent. innocent. Yes. So. Good to know that LaCroix is virginal and pure and innocent in every way. Just like Dennis. Just like me. <laughs> but it is nowhere near as smooth. Certainly not. Not not as smooth as your radio voice. That's for certain. Not at all. Or your head. Or my head. My head is shiny smooth. <laughs> oh, and our listenership just plummeted. They love it. Uh, they better, because that's all we got for you, folks. You thought you were tuning in for Witty Banner. No. that That's our episode. Thanks, that's everyone. That's our episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of The Hostile Work Environment. Kidding. Uh, I know I'm kidding, because Mark's sitting here with a whole bunch of legal papers in front of him. It looks like they're, he's, he's got some pleading. It's got a law firm logo, yes. but my eyesight's too bad. Mark, to tell Mark V. Dennis. Mark V. Dennis? Oh, shh. You're not going to serve me, are you? Yeah. No, like you just got served. God damn. No. Um, yeah, I got a lawsuit. This is an older lawsuit. I believe this was. Oh, a classic. We love it. Yeah, we mentioned last series. episode that today would be a classic. Yeah. This was filed uh, in October of 2011. It's out of Arizona. It's in district court, federal district court in Arizona. Okay. Uh, the complaint is, or the, the caption here is Barrett v. Icor Inc. An allied interstate LLC. Icor Inc. So you read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. I do. As do I. And what do you think of when you hear Icor? What do I think of when I think of I-Core? Well, what does that word mean? I-Core, like, like gooey, like bloody, goopy, icker. I always thought it was pronounced icker, not Oh, I-Core. I always pronounced it I-Core, but I don't know. See, this is what happens when you read a lot. Yeah. You encounter words only in print form and you have no way to know how, how they're pronounce actually them. pronounced. So I assume this is a play on words with. Right, so Icor or Icor, however you want it, right? I yeah. always thought of it as like demon blood. Yeah, right. It turns out I looked it up. It's actually blood, not the not blood, the liquid that throws flows through the bodies of immortal beings, whether they be gods or demons. So on. Oh, immortal either, beings, right? So I actually never knew that because in the oh. books I always read, it's always like they kill a demon. 
And it's full, and it's of, full of Icor. It's icky. Icky Ucker Icor. Yeah. And that's the name of the defendant here. In this case, it's little I, big Q, O, R, as opposed to I, C, H, O, R. Huh. Weird. But anyway, I thought that that was uh, interesting. So. In that case, I'm sure it's pronounced Icor. It sounds like yes. iPod, iPad, Icor. Yes. I'm sure that's how they pronounce it. I'm. I don't know. We'll have to look up how to pronounce the demon yeah. blood. Yeah. Anyway. If you know how to pronounce that word for demon blood, by all means, um, let us know. Tweet we, it at us. We could also pull up the pronunciation in a dictionary. Nah. No? I don't know how to read those little squiggly weird You never learned that in school? And stuff. No, a schwa? You don't know about don't, a schwa? They, they, they don't teach us no schwa in my... I went to a crap school. That's what the difference. Between, well, that's the difference between... You went to like, like real schools. You know. I went to public school... In, I mean, before high school, when I learned this, yeah, in, in suburban Philadelphia. See, I went to like, see, it was a, see that that sounds like a real school. I went to like clown college, anyway. Move on, okay. So, we've got Barrett v. Icor, Barrett v. Icor. We've we've made great progress. So, um, Barrett was hired by Icor as a junior agent in its Chandler, Arizona call center in April of 2010. Um, she immediately informed them of her disability. And oh. it's a particular disability, which is why I chose this case, yeah. that we, I don't think, have talked about. Oh. Nymphomania. Not not that. Okay. Though we really should try to find one of those. We, we need a, yeah, we need a nymphomania case. But what do we got here? So Barrett has a severe peanut allergy. Oh, Okay. I don't think we've talked about food allergies. I don't think we've had a food allergy episode. So A glaring omission on our part. Yeah. And in the end, I mean, I'm going to read you this. I don't think that this is a complicated case. And I have no idea what happened, which tells me that it's settled. So that, okay. you know, that punchline is, is moved to the front because it's not much of a punchline. Um, but I think it's still an interesting set of facts that's worthy of the hostile work environment. Yeah, well... So she immediately informed her employer and her coworkers about her disability, as any exposure, airborne or otherwise, to peanuts could result in hospitalization or death. Damn, that's some serious it's allergy. A serious allergy, as alleged. Uh, and she, after being hired, she very purposely avoided the cafeteria so that she could avoid exposure to peanut products in case they were left in the room or somebody didn't clean a table. Seems reasonable. In July of 2010, so this is two or three months after she gets hired, she began being supervised by Tammy Doherty. And within a couple of weeks of becoming her supervisor, Doherty began harassing. Now, this is the, one of those conclusory it's, allegations right. and a complaint that we always see. Because of her race and disability, uh, by, amongst other things, using derogatory language towards Barrett and threatening to terminate her employment. She reported the harassment to management. That's pretty much all we hear about that. Okay. As far as like race or, right, well, it says and her disability, but we don't hear too many more facts related to that. But okay. then the facts start getting, they're actually factual assertions and they're very interesting. Okay. Do tell. In September of 2010, knowing of her disability, two of Barrett's coworkers, uh, Adriana and Fidel, were curious as to what would happen if Barrett were exposed to peanuts. Oh, no. They ate peanuts near her, chased her trying to place peanuts on her, touched her arm and leg with peanuts to see if she was faking her disability. 
Ooh. Now remember, this is a com- complaint I'm reading, so this is right. all we we right. We have no rebuttal in this case. Okay, just so, put allegedly in front of yes. all of those statements. As a result, Barrett was forced to leave work and go to urgent care facility because she had difficulty breathing. Uh, Barrett reported that conduct to her boss, Doherty. Huh. About two weeks later, in se- mid-September 2010, Barrett's co-workers ate peanuts at their desks in Barrett's work area. Barrett's face became swollen, her throat closed, and she could not breathe. As a result, she was rushed to urgent care for treatment. Later that day, she returned to work, which is an interesting question for me. Like, if it was that bad. You came back to work? You came back to work the hmm. same afternoon? But, okay. Returned to work and gave Doherty a note from her doctor stating that she was on modified work duty. Doherty's response to her allergic reaction was that, it's all in your head. Whoa. Barrett requested that Doherty inform her coworkers that she could not be exposed to peanuts and also requested that the building be peanut-free to the extent possible. Doherty told Barrett that she would communicate to Barrett's coworkers that she was allergic to peanuts and that exposure could be detrimental to Barrett. Sounds reasonable, other than the fact that they have not acted reasonable to this point. Right. Um, instead of doing that, however, um, she did not do as she said she was going to do. She told Barrett's coworkers to eat peanuts in Barrett's presence to see if she was really faking her disability. <laughs> or not. Now, I don't know if the employer would. I'm assuming they would rebut these facts. I, I would hope that's a pretty awesome set of facts. One way or another. And they get better or worse, depending on how you look at it. On approximately September 28th, 2010, Barrett returned uh, from break to find peanuts on her desk and on the floor all around her workstation. As a result, she was rushed to a medical center for treatment. About 10 days later, on October 7th, her co-worker, Carol Ann, placed peanuts directly on Barrett. Barrett was, again, rushed to urgent care because her throat closed and she had difficulty breathing. The very next day, she reported the incident the incident to management, uh, including Darty. She also filed a police report regarding the incident with the city of Tempe uh, Police Department. Huh. Uh, three days later, on October 11th, within one hour of returning to work, Darty called Barrett to her desk. Darty was eating a Twix peanut bar with full knowledge of Barrett's <laughs> disability. Darty joked that if Barrett lived after the exposure, it meant she was faking. The exposure resulted in a severe allergic reaction, and Barrett began having difficulty breathing. She cried for help. Although employees were present and witnessed her fall to the floor and beg for help, no one made an attempt to help her or call an ambulance. Callous. Instead, they watched Barrett's plight as Doherty said no one was allowed to assist Barrett until they met productivity goals. <laughs> <laughs> Barrett was using her... Mobile phone while on the floor called 911 to request an ambulance as her body was shutting down and she regurgitated on the floor. That's kind of hard to fake. Uh, You'd think. Barrett was rushed to the emergency room by ambulance and she was hospitalized. After her hospitalization, her doctors instructed her to remain at home until she was able to safely return to work. Barrett informed Doherty regarding her health status and gave her notes from her doctor regarding her status and need for an accommodation. Uh, during this time period, she continued to request accommodations. They did not uh, take any written analysis to determine any impact of accommodating her. Then we start getting into some conclusory allegations here. They did not engage in an interactive process. 
Their conduct demonstrates discriminatory animus because of her disability. Um, they say it also is discriminatory because of her race, African-American. October 11th, that day that she had that, um, that she had to go to the hospital, uh, yeah. was the last day she was, she worked there. Um, during her employment, she had perfect attendance. Uh, she considered, she has suffered considerable emotional and financial distress. Um, and that is the facts. It doesn't say whether she quit or whether she was fired. I assume that she just, just did not go back to work because there was no accommodation. Did she plead some sort of constructive discharge in the complaint? I just read you the complaint. So let's okay, see. So well, let, well, let me go to the causes of action here. So discrimination, harassment, reasonable accommodation, and retaliation uh, under the ADA, declaratory relief, injunctive relief, same things under Title Seven and Section 1981, intentional infliction of emotional distress. She does not. Okay. But it could still be a constructive it discharge. It could be constructive case discharge. Just under the guise of discrimination. That would yes. be a form of discrimination. Yes, so. in and of itself. Interesting so. case. We oh, often oh, here, hold on. It says discharging her employment under the pretext that she had voluntarily resigned her employment. Oh, that's an interesting spin on things. Yes. It's like you're really bending over backwards to avoid saying constructive discharge. Yes. Huh. Interesting choice. But that's an interesting case. We don't often see disability harassment. Right. Or and perceived I mean, disability Let's harassment. just start out here. If this is true. Oh, it's horrific. It's horrific. And there's all sorts of liability. And I expect that this case settled because even if half of it's true. Oh, yeah. Right? No, the totally. allegations are so significant and so severe that my guess is that this settled for a good chunk of money. And that's Maybe. why I couldn't find anything else about it. There was one thing that, as you were reading that that I was waiting for that didn't happen. Okay. I was waiting for the time when she had an allergic reaction to peanuts that she did not see. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, you know, doubt somebody's claim disability, but I just... I would think that if her coworkers are going to all these lengths to find out if she was in fact allergic to peanuts, all of the times that she alleged she reacted to peanuts, they were quite visible, obvious peanuts. They weren't kind of like, like, wow, I went into anaphylactic shock and then Billy Bob came around the corner munching on his Snickers bar. I just found that interesting. Yep. So, so that's like, it also, I also, I think we called this out when I read the facts also found it interesting that if she was having such a severe reaction and had to go to urgent care, what is she coming back to work the same day for? That that one actually is a little surprising. So, again, not, not throwing doubt on, uh, 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 you know, on what she's saying here, but as the employer in this case, these are questions that I would want to be looking into as I start to prepare my defense to the case. Oh, absolutely. So what could they have done? What should they have done? What they should have done, um, other than like not harassing her specifically, but to let, let let's just put it back to a basic, you know, employee comes to you and says, I have a peanut allergy. Yeah. And I need a peanut free workplace. So um, basic question. What's the obligation to accommodate? Is peanut allergy a disability under state or federal law? I'm going to go with Yes. If it's medically diagnosed under the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, with the Amendments Act, pretty much anything can be a disability. And 
you know, I, I, I think you could probably make a pretty easy argument that uh, she's impacted in several potential major life activities, depending on the severity of it. And, hmm. Right. If it could kill her or well, make her seriously ill. Sharks could kill me. That doesn't mean I have a shark allergy that must be accommodated. Well, and maybe that becomes something that we talk about when you apply for your job at SeaWorld. Maybe so, but this wasn't peanut world. Right. But she does have a disability, right? And disabilities assuming don't she have has, to... Well, assuming she has a legit peanut allergy, which right. is another well, thing. Well, let's assume there that... There seems to be she, a, a doubt in there, her allegations. There seemed to be a doubt right. as to whether the allergy let, was legit. But let's, let's assume it's legit. Like, that's what... Like, well, so... So even, you get a doctor's note. But even before we assume it's legit, get a doctor's note. That's, well, right. that's well, it, said, it can... said in the facts that she had a doctor's note. At one oh, point. okay, okay. Remember, I, she I... brought the doctor's note in saying that she needed she needed to be on modified work. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, so point. so assume that we have that, right? I'm not saying that you just take that as gospel when somebody comes to you and no, says, I have a peanut allergy and I need you to bridge the entire facility. something for anything, so. Right? Yeah. So, but let's assume, yes, it's a disability. You have a doctor's note and, and there's not really a question as to whether it's a disability, but what do you need to do to accommodate that? Well, what's reasonable under the circumstances? Yeah, you have to engage in an interactive process with that employee to find out what would be reasonable. And right. I think a certain knowledge of, ha- of the severity of the peanut allergy is required. Yeah. I, th- at some point... I think the size of the company plays a role here, or at least the size of the office and the number of employees. Because if you're asking thousands of people to exclude my favorite legume from their diet, at what point does that become unreasonable? It's, or, an, it's actually an interesting point because it's the reverse of what I often think about in reasonable accommodation. The larger the company usually, the more wealth it has, the more yeah. I would put on them uh, to be their responsibility to accommodate that right. disability. In this case, the larger the company, the harder it absolutely is to accommodate because oh, you can't yeah. control for all the variables. Like if it was me and you and you said, Dennis, don't eat peanuts at Studio B, I could probably go, okay, sure. Right. But if it's like you to the entire like – you know, courthouse building to say like, nobody can have peanuts in the courthouse building. You know, one, you know, everybody's going to hate you. And then two, how likely is it that they're going to be able to comply with that? Did you you put like a a peanut inspector down at the, you know, front, front door? Do you like train a dog that's like a drug dog, except he's now the peanut dog? And, you know, so, so I, I hear you you on all that. I hear you on all that. But let me ask this question because I was thinking about this. Yeah. Lots of schools are peanut free. Tell me about it. So they can do it in schools. Why not do it in a workplace? Why is it more, why is it less reasonable? To try to do. I mean, I, they do it in schools, and obviously it's not 100% effective. Well, exactly. But at least they try. So why is that not uh, appropriate in a large workplace? Well, I'm not sure that what schools do is entirely reasonable. Fair. Because I know my kids, when they were in elementary school, it started off with, like, first, there was the peanut-free table in the cafeteria. So if you had a peanut allergy, you got to go sit at the peanut-free table. And then the, the peanut parents got all up in arms over that. And so they ended up making the cafeteria peanut-free except for the peanut table. 
So if you wanted to eat something with peanuts, you had to go to the peanut table. Except there were too many kids who wanted to eat peanuts and they couldn't all fit at the peanut table. And so that turned into a fiasco. And then they tried to ban peanuts at the whole school and then it, just, it turned into just no end of like drama and nonsense amongst the parents that eventually I just tuned out because it was driving me nuts. But my point is, I think efforts to sort of ban the allergen, allergen du jour from some particular environment are really tough to make work. And they're really going to ruffle a lot of feathers, especially, and in this case, the more feathers you're going to ruffle, the harder it's going to become. Okay, so so we've talked about the difficulty there of trying to rid the workplace of the allergen, in this case, peanuts and peanut products. What other options would they have potentially Well, to try to accommodate her? At a minimum, I think you can tell employees like, don't like throw peanuts at what's her face. I, I think that goes without saying. I, I, and I, you know, if I were to believe everything in this complaint, which stretches me a bit, these must be the most evil coworkers you could possibly imagine in the world. Yeah, no, totally. They sound totally dreadful. Right. Which, again, I, I wonder if there's not some nuance there. Yeah, I, I, I suspect that there's something that, you know, we're only hearing one side of the story. But you could do things like, say, if you want to eat peanuts, you have to use the East End lunchroom, not the West End lunchroom. Okay, assuming they're big enough to have two lunchrooms. Right. Um, you know, you could you could say, like, no, no peanuts in the cubicle area. Or in her particular area or within 100 feet. Right. Or 500 feet. Put up a sign that says peanut freeze along the way that she would walk in and out to get there. Does that mean you have to set up a peanut protocol for how peanuts enter and exit the building? (laughs) Theoretically, which might be a bit much. Um, So I just I just had this like image of like the peanut walking in. To the building on its own. Was it Mr. Peanut? It was like Mr. Peanut with like the top hat and the cane oh, and totally. the monocle. The, the monocle. And trying to go through like a metal detector. And it's like beep, 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 beep. Right. And like there's a German That's shepherd lunging yeah. at him. And then they turn the fire hose on him. Uh, yeah. And yeah. It, it's not good. No. What about work from home? I think work from home would be a potential accommodation. If it's that kind of job. Well, and it said she worked in a call center. And having supported call centers in the past, I know there's a lot of software options and hardware options out there that allow you to recreate the call center environment in someone's home. They don't get the benefit of, you know, the 1984-ish type atmosphere that call centers frequently have. Um, I had a client years ago that had a call center in a former airplane hangar. And I don't mean a small airplane hangar. I mean a very large airplane hangar. And the whole thing was an open floor plan. Mm. And they had these big, giant, like, um, football stadium type television things, like the replay screen. Sure. But then it would just show nothing but, like, motivational messages all day long. And I had to go out there for stuff. Oh, my and I was gosh. Like, after, like, half an hour, I was just. That would make I wanted to like so unhappy. put on my sexy orange shorts and grab a hammer and like throw it at it 1984 Macintosh style. But, you know, I really didn't look the part, so it didn't work out. Did you get my reference? It's obscure. 
I, I, you're, you're a little young for the Macintosh 1984 well, wasn't, commercial. Remind me, because it, it feels like an amalgam of a couple of different things. Tell, tell me. No, the very first Macintosh yeah. ad for Apple Computer. You yeah. Gotta, you just look it up on YouTube. There's like this 1984-ish, and it, that's when they released Macintosh. So it was intentionally okay. 1984 theme of all these like people in the, the was total black and white gray and there was this there, office environment where everybody was just mindless drones watching this huge TV screen with I this see. big brother-like figure. Okay. I've, I'm sure I've seen this. I mean, it's... And then this woman in a tank top and rather skimpy shorts comes running in carrying and breaks a, that a big hammer screen. and breaks Got the TV. Yes, and then now we it. all buy Macintosh. So... Okay. Bit of a segue there. I thought you were saying that they... She, Broke the Macintosh. I was like, that, that, no, that, no, no, no. She broke the big, the big TV monitor, screen. Which, as you say, it, it's in that it's workplace. I was inspired chess. too towards violence, towards you know the system. I controlled my urge and simply like got in my car and drove that's home. Good. But I was very grateful that I did not work in that hellish. Yeah, no, that sounds know. that sounds dreadful. Yeah, totally. So that's what I think of whenever you say call center is the 1984 Macintosh ad. Got it. Okay, so glad we got that. Yeah, cleared away. Bringing it back to peanuts. Anything yeah. else to add? Any other thoughts around around that issue, which I think is actually a thorny accommodation issue? <laughs> I think it's really tough. I think you could probably you know acknowledge that you're never going to have a completely pe- peanut free workplace, and maybe you want to have EpiPen handy, mm-hmm. right? But do your best, right? I mean, I I suspect that having had this conversation, we're going to hear from some folks that are like, "You heartless monsters." You need to eradicate all the peanuts from from the work location. That's still reasonable. Yeah. I'm and I'm not sure. I think I knowing, fall somewhere in between. Knowing the anti-peanut parents at my kid's school, there are people that would fully support the eradication of all peanuts from the surface of the planet. I've met them. Which would not be a reasonable accommodation for the planet or humanity. They think it is. Well, no, I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm going to objectively say they I don't want, think so. You know, but but they in, want to outlaw any mention of George Washington Carver from all <laughs> school books. It's uh, terrible. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, the devil. It's it's amazing the amount of emotion that peanuts generate in some folks. Funny thing is, I kind of get it because I'm not going to name what my allergen is, but I am allergic to a fairly common thing that upon exposure could be quite fatal. And it's not sharks. It's like, you know. Or peanuts, apparently. It's not peanuts. I love peanuts. No, I'm going to have to sit here guessing. But no, there's there's my kryptonite. And I kind of get why, like, when you're exposed to your kryptonite, that you you get upset. Well, right. And it's, but I also understand that my kryptonite is, you know, somebody else's wonderful thing. Well, or... or not necessarily a wonderful thing, but not something that you can can or should change everybody else's practice to accommodate you. Right, right. There, there's, there's a line there, and yeah. it's. I, I think you 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 pointed it out wisely when you said it depends on the size of the workforce. Right, might yeah. have a lot to do with whether this is reasonable or not. It all boils down to what what is feasible for that work environment. Okay. On that note. We'll be right back. So, 
as we sometimes have discussed, we do have a bit of an international following. Yeah. And when we can, we like to cover international topics because our international listenership might really, you know, care. And so I've got a story about sex harassment here that comes from Italy. Oh. I thought, you know, I've been doing this gig for quite a while, and I know you have too. I thought I'd heard every defense to a sex harassment case. Well, you know, you can think that, but there's always one more. Well, Italy... A, a very creative country, known for its, you know, progressive stance on gender relations, said no one ever. <laughs> I was going to say, well, am, I supposed to, am I supposed to look at you and say uh, no? Apparently, some Italian prosecutors have a new defense to sex harassment. She was too old. Oh. The harassee was too old to be distressed when she was repeatedly groped. So apparently in Italy... Wait, so who's saying this? You can grope an older woman. So actually, this is not an employment case. It actually comes out of the criminal context. Okay. What happened here is there is a guy by the name of, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but I think it's pronounced Carlo Tavecchio who was the head, formerly, of the Italian Soccer Federation. Mark, you might know it. Oh, because because being a soccer fan, I know know the head of European soccer federations? Sure. I would assume that you do. Yeah. And he used to work with a woman by the name of Elisabetta Cortani, who was the president of the female division of the Lazio Soccer Club. And when they would have to interact... He would grope her. Now, he at the time was in his 70s and she was in her late 40s. Eventually, at the time of like today, she was actually 53 and he was 74. And she ended up getting tired of being groped by this lech and filed a criminal complaint. Can't imagine why. Yeah. Um, he would do things, you know, like call her into his office for meetings and then chase her around the office. It totally but she didn't like work for him, did she? She was working for a different club and he was the head of a soccer federation? She was working for a different club. So, again, this isn't an employment case. Right. This is a, but he'd call but her into, into his office? She like had a, to interact with him because... So he'd say, like, I need her, you to come over today at some point. Right. I see it. Like, he call would, in the office. I'm, I, my, what, what I had envisioned was, like, he opened his door and was like, hey, I need you to come in here right now. Right. No, he'd call her on like a business reason. She'd come in and he'd grope her. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so she filed a criminal complaint against him. And after a little bit of process, the Italian prosecutors decided, no, we're not going to prosecute this case because she is too old and too experienced to have been offended by his repeated groping. How does that Italy, compute? Because Italy. Too, too, too old and experienced to be offended? Yes. That, I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. So get this. She's 49 years old at mm. the time of one of the events. She was in a business meeting at his office. He complimented her physique. Tried to kiss her while touching her breasts. 
she excused herself and left the room. A year later, so now she's 50, she's in another meeting, and he again groped her. But apparently that was fine because she was 50. Is this, is this recent? I mean, is this, did they this actually, just happen? Yeah, this, this, is a, this was just reported in the New York Times earlier this week. Um, she, and this is the one that I really like, she got tired of his nonsense and decided she was going to put a stop to it. So the next time she had to go to his office, she went there to talk about her. She put pins. No. <laughs> We've covered that one. I know. That's not her? No pins. Okay. What she did, he called her into, her off, into his office to talk about her team's application to some regional championship. She brought a miniature video camera that attached to her glasses. Ooh, and she hung her glasses like Glass. from the neckline of her dress so that when he groped, it was like hands coming right at the camera lens. But apparently when he made contact, that actually ended up shutting off the camera. But you can see the hands going into the camera lens. Wow. And, yeah. and yet the prosecutors were like, yeah, no. No, they were like, yeah, no. You're too old to be the victim of harassment. So safe to say then that the Me Too movement has not quite made its way to Italy? Well, and that's a funny thing because one of Harvey Weinstein's victims is an Italian actress. Sorry, getting a phone call. I declined because we're doing the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. But like, no, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, one of eight, one of the actresses that has accused Harvey Weinstein of rape was Italian actress Asia Argento. Huh. So that made huge news in Italy because apparently, you know, if an American is involved, it's... How old is she? She is quite young. Okay. And so it's okay to, it, well, not okay. It's, it's possible to her yeah. to harass her. Another factor here is Mr. Tavecchio himself. Apparently this guy is like made out of squeaky Teflon. Um, I thought you were going to say he has, he actually has no hands. That would be an interesting case. That would be a defense. The foot groper. But that's not what happened here. Mr. Tavecchio has had a long history of outrageous, boorish behavior that he just gets away with. Oh, you were being ironic. I was being ironic and keeps getting promoted despite all of his bad behavior. He has a history of alleged sex harassment. He has a history of racially insensitive remarks. He once depicted African players as banana eaters. He was banned from Europe's Football Association for six months. He has been recorded saying that he prefers to stay away from gays and Jews. But apparently he has no such aversion to Ms. Cortani, says the New York Times. That was a quote. Wow. So. Okay. And yet. Italy. The system there. Hey, man. Still protects him. Yep. Boo, Italy. I'm glad you didn't qualify for the World Cup, Italy. But Ms. Cortani had said, after all of the 
case turned out not to be prosecutable, according to Italian authorities. She said, Italian women have to fight and not be afraid to press charges because it is always worth it. It doesn't matter if you are believed or not, but we must begin to demand respect. Italy has to develop in its culture. Good for her. Yep, good for Ms. Cortani. We support her quest. Yes. And that is our international news segment. We'll be right back with um, a story. Yeah. Mark, entertain us, enlighten us, educate us. Tell us a story. I can do that. I know you can. Because you saw that I printed it out. I've got yeah, it in totally. Front of me. Yeah. I knew you were ready. Okay. Hi, Mark and Dennis. Oh, hi. I love your pod. Or, oh. Sorry. I love listening to your podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll take that too. Thanks. I've had a busy couple of months and got behind on your podcast, so I've been binge listening on my commute and getting strange look on the train when I snicker. I recently finished the episodes about body odor, and it reminded me of something that my husband experienced back in the 80s, which was a very smelly decade. Oh, it was the dark ages of, of deodorant. It uh, was like Old Spice or nothing back in right. the 80s. I, I was around. I mean, you, I, you don't remember I was a little the 80s. Young. I, I do, in fact, remember the 80s. Really? Yes. Like, like Like 89, like when the Berlin Wall fell? I remember Challenger. That was 86. Ooh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was in second grade. Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah, well, because you're old. I'm old. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Deodorant. Yeah, so uh, it's not really an employment law story, but it is about an employee with body odor. That's kind. Uh, and this is going to have a different kind of ending than most. Oh. My husband, just to preview a little bit, um, my husband was managing a group of technicians and a social worker from a local nonprofit that assisted immigrants contacted him and asked if he would be willing to hire a recent immigrant from Eastern Europe who had the tech skills needed but was having trouble finding work in the U.S. My husband said, sure, we'll give it a shot, but if it doesn't work, I make no promises. Turns out the technician did have the skills, was quick to learn the cultural differences in the work, got along with coworkers, and was all in all a success except... He smelled awful. He had some B.O. My husband contacted the social worker and said that he'd have to let the employee go if something didn't change. The social worker showed up at the, at the job site with soap, deodorant, shampoo, toothpaste, and a toothbrush. Wow. And gave the employee a tutorial on U.S. standards of cleanliness. Very nice. And unlike many of the other stories we talk about, he took it to heart. Oh. His odor improved, and he was still working there years later when my husband moved on to another job. Wow, a happy a ending. A happy ending on a body odor story. I'm not sure we've had one of those before. No, or most of our stories are just horrific or end badly. Yeah. This one ended this on was, an upbeat, positive note. There's a problem. We approach the problem appropriately. The person who is the source of that problem is not so defensive that they can't handle yeah. That feedback. All it really and, took was a social worker. Yes. So I think that's our takeaway for today is that if you have an employee relations problem, you need a social worker. <laughs> yes. Good that's story. our story. Short story today. It's a short one, but a good one. Uplifting. Yes. Uplifting. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel so, a little self-conscious. Thanks for that submission. As we said last week, we're low on stories. 
So please email your stories to yeah. stories at hwepodcast.com. They Luckily, be, we've got a few weeks before we record again because we're you know, yes. still pre-recording for Yeah, we are, we're trying to get ourselves three or four episodes ahead here right now. So this won't actually, you won't hear this for a while, but you will when you hear it. Yeah. That was deep. Indeed. Well, follow us on Twitter at hwepodcast. Pay us money at patreon.com slash HWE. Indeed. I like this completing each other's. Isn't it great? Completing each other's sentences? Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) On that note. Time to wrap it up. On that note, consider consider wrapped. Wrapped up. All done. Done. For real. No. Done. (laughs) <laughs> oh, see, I made Lewis a bet here. He Lewis bet me that we couldn't both get rich and put you on the poorhouse at the same time. He didn't think we could do it. I won. <laughs>